Well, welcome back. You didn't have to go very far, but <clears throat> we are back for our Sunday morning service. Uh, lessons in obedience. Uh, we started off in the book of Jonah, and now we're uh, through the book of Jonah and into the book of Ruth. Last week, we saw Boaz go above and beyond what was required of him. Uh, Ruth was allowed to eat with the rest of the workers. Boaz served her food, and Boaz told the reapers to leave handfuls of purpose for her. And she took home an ephah of blessings. Uh, five days were the food for her and Naomi. And this brought to mind, uh, as I was studying this week, uh, Matthew 5.41. It says, And whosoever sh shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And this was Boaz's attitude. He was uh, obviously following God's direction in, and God's leading as he had, God had told Israel in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers uh, to leave the corners of the fields, to not glean the field clean, to not uh, remove everything from the grapes, from the, the vines, to not go over the trees again um, so that the, the poor, the widows, the fatherless would have uh, a way to be able to sustain themselves. But uh, he was going above and beyond. He was going that extra mile, as you would say. And uh, also, as I was reading this week, I came across an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 13. And uh, I'll turn there real quick. Matthew 13. Uh, verses 36 through 43. The Bible says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare, us, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the, in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now we've been looking at different pictures in the book of Ruth. We know that um, <clears throat> Naomi is a picture of Israel. Ruth is a picture of uh, the Gentiles, the church, those that will be saved. Boaz is a picture of the kinsman redeemer. And the other kinsman that refuses to be the redeemer is a picture of Satan. But here we also understand that even in the reapers, there's a picture. Uh, God, in several passages, in Matthew and then also in Revelation, uh, likens the angels to reapers, reaping a harvest. Uh, and so here we saw Boaz as a picture of Christ tell the reapers, a picture of the angels, to leave handfuls of purpose for Ruth so that she can have that extra blessing. And I'm not sure how this all ties together yet. I haven't uh, got it all squared away in my head, but... Um, this is a very interesting thought, and I'm going to try and explore this a little more. But it is something to think about. So this week, we're going to continue on to chapter 3. And Naomi has now uh, gone from being bitter and uh, hurt and, and uh, empty to now God is taking care of Ruth and Naomi both, and she is becoming full again. And now in chapter 3, she's going, to be able, she's going to begin to try to make provisions for Ruth. 
she's going to begin to try and direct Ruth in how to uh, be a godly woman and, and what she needs to do in order to continue uh, for their life. And, and this is also ties back into, I think we looked last week with, or maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, the provisions in the New Testament that God had given uh, for widows involved in the church and how the church is supposed to take care of them when the church is not supposed to take care of them and the fact that Ruth is a much younger widow that she was supposed to remarry and this follows all along with that teaching. So we're going to dig in today in Ruth chapter 3 and we're going to read verses 1 through 9 and then we're going to see some very interesting things through this. So Ruth chapter 3 and verse number 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that I that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Let's pray. Father God, we love you again. We thank you so much for all you're doing in us and through us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us today, that you would plant the seed of your truth in our hearts, and that it would grow and change us, turn us into the men and women that you would have us to be, Lord, that you would mold us and shape us, that we would be willing to hear your truth. We would be willing to follow. And like Ruth, we would be willing to obey. So God, please, guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. The first thing we see is Naomi, as the mother-in-law, as a caring, loving mother-in-law, is now going to seek rest for her daughter-in-law. Uh, again, we remember back in Ruth chapter 1 that uh, Naomi and Elimelech fled to Moab during a famine during the time of the judges, and Elimelech died. And then we know that Malon and Kileon married wives, and Ruth and Orpah, and, and then Malon and Kileon died. And then Orpah went back to her family, and now Ruth has come back, and she is a widow, and she's uh, been tremendously blessed by the, at this point by Boaz, but she is still a widow. She still has no one to take care of her, no one to help her. And as a picture of Israel, Naomi is also showing what Israel was supposed to be doing. We've been looking through the book of Judges, and we've been seeing that uh, Israel is not doing the job that God has asked them to do. When God called Abraham... He called Abraham to go and to travel into a land, and, and God said he would give him that land. But he also wanted Abraham to be that witness for God. And we're gonna get, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But remember, Naomi is a picture of Israel in that she's disobedient and she's unfaithful. She was in Ruth chapter 1. 
And Israel throughout their entire history has been this way. And now she's still a picture of Israel in that she is actually doing what God had wanted Israel to do. Now she's going to take Ruth, who is a Gentile, who is a, a heathen, who was a pagan worshiper, and she's going to point Ruth to her God. Naomi points to the Redeemer. In verse number one, she decides it's time to seek rest for Ruth. She points to Boaz as the kinsman, the one who has the ability to redeem them, and she prepares Ruth to receive that redemption. This was Israel's purpose from the start. If we go back to Genesis 9, Genesis 9 and verse number 23 is the calling of Abraham. Abram, who would become Abraham. I'm sorry, this is not the calling of Abraham. This is uh, Canaan. Genesis 9 and verse number 23. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood three hundred and fifty years, and all the days of Noah were nine hundred and fifty years, and he died. Notice in those verses it said nothing about Canaan being destroyed. It said nothing about the the children of Japheth being destroyed. It said they would be, Canaan would be servants. He would be the servant of servants. Japheth would dwell in the tents of Shem. Shem would be uh, lifted up as the chosen people, but God didn't say anything about destroying those people. He never wanted to destroy those people. In Genesis 12, should have just left my finger there but Genesis 12 and verse number 1 and now the Lord had said unto Abraham get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. This is the calling of Abraham. God told Abraham to go, and he would show him a land where Abraham would, would live. God would give him that land and God would bless them and he would bless them that blesses, bless Abraham and he would curse those that curse Abraham. He never said anything about Abraham destroying those. It isn't until Joshua that the command was given to destroy the inhabitants of the land. It isn't until Israel had already gone to Egypt, spent all those years in bondage and was brought out of Egypt and traveling through the wilderness and God was weeding out all of those that weren't going to follow him and preparing them to enter the promised land. And, and these nations, instead of blessing Abraham, had cursed Abraham, had cursed the Israelites. Remember, Moab had not allowed them to go through their land, and uh, Canaan was 
uh, fighting against them and warring against them. And that is when God has decided it's time to destroy Canaan. It's, just, it's time that Moab is going to be punished. And this was because Israel had failed their duty. They had failed to show God to the world and to convert them. Instead, Israel followed the pagan rituals and allowed the world to take them from following God, to take them away from following God. And because of this, the rest of the world went deeper and deeper into their idolatry and sin. This is the natural law of decay. Anything left to itself decays. It does not evolve. As we went uh, and cleaned up the other Friday, uh, picking up the brush and the different things that are out in the yard and uh, noticing that the two-by-fours that have been left out there for almost a year are not in the shape that they were when I left them out there. They're beginning to rot. They're beginning to, to soften. They're not the same. My truck sits out there and is covered in rust, and every time I open and close the door, pieces fall off because it's rusty. It's decaying. And, and this, this, besides being the way that it actually is, throws holes in every theory of evolution. The evolutionist will tell us that we don't decay, we get better. We adapt. We evolve. If that were the case, I'd have wings and a tail. I always need another hand. A tail would come in handy. I need to go somewhere. I wouldn't be driving a car. I'd be flying. It doesn't happen. We decay. In fact, I'm my hands, I, I need two more new ones because my hands, every morning, I struggle to open and close them. They're stiff. They're not working. The joints are coming apart. Mrs. Murrah is going in to have her hip replaced. And if... She survives long enough, that hip is going to decay. The one that they just put in is still going to decay. It's still going to, to worsen. This is why it's so imperative for us as children of God to surround ourselves with God and not surround ourselves with the world. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 Along with saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to be uh, by the mercies of God. I had it memorized. Go ahead, Abby. All right, Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But then verse 2 goes on to say, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the same request, that is the same idea that God had with Abraham. He wanted Abraham to present himself a living sacrifice to serve him and love him and walk with him. It's the same the same command from Adam. When God created Adam, God created Adam to live in fellowship with him, to walk with him. God says that he walked with the voice of the Lord walked with him in, in the cool of the day in the garden. But it was when Adam and Eve decided to stop surrounding themselves with God and start listening to the devil that they chose to follow that and, and 
eat of the of the fruit and then they hid themselves from God. That relationship decayed. It's so imperative for us to surround ourselves with God and the good things of God that while we are in this world and we are supposed to be a picture of God in this world and shining the light of God to the world, we're not being affected by the world. Abraham failed. Isaac failed. Jacob failed. The 12 patriarchs failed. But now Naomi is doing exactly what God is asking her to do. Naomi's instructions to Ruth are simple but are very profound. She says, Purify yourself, wash and anoint yourself in your best raiment. Find Boaz and lay at his feet, and then do what he says. Now, this may not seem like a very profound thing, but it's full of symbolism and prophecy. And it goes completely against the agenda of the world today. It goes completely against the feminist movement. The feminist movement would say to Ruth, go and make your own way. Find your own path. And it would lead her into death and destruction. But let's, let's take a look at the prophecy. So the first thing that Naomi has for Ruth is she needs to prepare herself. She needs to wash. She needs to anoint herself. So let's go to Isaiah 40 and verse number 3. Isaiah 40 and verse number 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Malachi, verse number 3, or chapter number 3. Malachi is the last book before the break into the New Testament. Malachi chapter 3 says, Behold, and verse number 1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his, to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And then Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now these three prophecies are all regarding the coming of John the Baptist. But what does that have to do with Naomi's instructions? Well, what was John's message? John the Baptist went around all of the country of Israel, preceding Christ. Remember, he is Christ's cousin. He's nine months older, or six months older, nine months older than Christ. Six months. And he preached repentance from sin in preparation for the coming of the Lord. Now, spot and blemish and dirt are pictures of sin throughout the whole of the Old and the New Testament. So Naomi told Ruth to bathe herself, to remove all traces of dirt, to remove all spots and blemishes, just as John called uh, for baptism and sin a sinless life after repentance. Ruth was told to anoint herself with oil and to lay at Boaz's feet and follow his instructions. She was to present herself a sacrifice in worship to the kinsman redeemer. And we're going to come back to that. But in John's case, Israel rejected that kingdom. We know that the majority of Israel refused to heed John's call and then rejected the kingdom when it was offered by Christ. 
So God went to the highways and the hedges and brought in all that would come. Matthew 22, uh, verses 1 through 14. Matthew 22 and verse number 1 says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. (coughs) Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Luke 14. Luke 14 is a very similar passage. Luke 14 and verse number 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants to sup- at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Even in these examples, there's still a clear teaching of repentance that must take place in order for salvation to be possible. Repentance is simply recognizing your sinful state and choosing to turn away from the state and from that state and turn towards Christ. In the wedding time, these men, the first men that were bidden, chose to stay in the state that they were in. They didn't, they didn't care about the king. They didn't care about the man that prepared the supper. They just chose to stay where they were. So the servants were sent into the highways and the hedges to find those that were halt and lame, the good and the bad, to find any who would come in. And those people saw their state and chose to turn and come to the Lord, to come to the, to the one that had bidden them to the supper. Here, Ruth is told to prepare herself. She's told to wash, to make herself clean. Now, we understand that this is symbolic. We cannot do that. 
we cannot make ourselves clean enough to be able to enter heaven. It is only through the blood of Christ that we can be made clean. We must be washed in the blood of Christ. But then we see the picture. As Naomi continues her instructions, she instructs Ruth to go and uh, watch where, the, where Boaz would lay down and to go and to uncover his feet and lay herself down at his feet. A living sacrifice. We read Romans 12, 1 and 2 earlier. And Naomi's instructions to go in after Boaz is asleep and uncover his feet and lay down at his feet. This may seem like a very odd or demeaning thing for her to instruct Ruth to do. However, it's a perfect picture of Paul's instructions in Romans 12. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, where was the sacrifice laid? It was laid at the tabernacle. It was laid at the temple, which is the footstool of God. We find that in 1 Chronicles 28.2. Chronicles 28, verse number 2. Then David the king stood up on his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. The temple, the tabernacle were the footstool of God. Paul also calls for a life of conformity to God and not the world. And this is only accomplished by dwelling and obeying with him. Naomi instructed Ruth to obey Boaz's commands after she had presented herself to him. She was to go in and lay at his feet, present herself humbly. Honestly, it is a humiliating thing. But this is Naomi's instructions. Even the dogs eat of the crumbs. Ruth's offering of herself at Boaz's feet is also a picture of the miracle that Christ would perform for a Canaanite woman. Go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and verse number 21. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Mark 7. Mark 7 and verse number 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. 
And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto him, Unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. This was a demeaning time for this Canaanite woman. She had been called a dog by Christ, something that no one would ever enjoy. Yet she understood her state, and she agreed with Christ. She understood she was not worthy. She was a cursed race, but in the most humble way possible, she was still seeking the Lord's help. The same can be said of Ruth. Laying at Boaz's feet was demeaning for her. She was showing herself no better than a dog who would lay at her master's feet. But in her humility, she was also telling Boaz that she would be just like that dog. She would be loyal, obedient, and ever faithful. What a great picture for us. When Boaz awakes in the middle of the night, he is bewildered to find Ruth at his feet. And she has one simple request. Spread your, your skirt over me. This simple, humble request inspires thoughts of another request told by Christ in Luke 15. We looked at this a little bit this morning but uh, in Sunday school, but Luke 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15 and verse number 18. Says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a far way, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The prodigal son didn't feel like he was worthy to be called a son. He was willing to be called a servant. He was. He knew that he had already asked for his inheritance and he had wasted all of his inheritance. Everything that would tie him to his father, he had wasted it. He just wanted to be that servant. Ruth, as she lay down at, his, at Boaz's feet, she didn't ask for marriage. She didn't ask for Boaz to sweep her up, sweep her off her feet and take care of her for the rest of her life. He just, she just simply asked that he would take her into her house, into his house, and make her as one of his servants. Now, this small interaction in the Book of Ruth is full of great meaning for us today, and there's so much more that uh, we can go into in just this little bit. But the outside world, the world outside of Boaz, was a place full of evil and hardship and sorrow for Naomi and Ruth. Naomi recognized her responsibility to instruct Ruth in her relationship with Boaz, and Ruth was willing to humbly place herself at the mercy of Boaz, at his very feet. What about you today? Are you Naomi, a picture of Israel who has shirked her responsibility for far too long? Or are you Ruth, who willingly and humbly is seeking the kinsman redeemer? I'd have to say I'm somewhere in the middle. I want to be the light that points people to Christ. And in order to do that, I have to be the humble, willing servant 
that Ruth pictures for us. So let's strive for that today.